Hello, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. Fellow Franco fans, you know me. I come from you today from the dark recesses of your mind. I am your host, Jason Rudy. And dark recesses of the mind is something that fits this film very well. For this is episode 19, and we review... Elsa, the Wicked Warden, which is the later title of it. Yeah, that's what was known here in America for the video release and DVD release. Um, this was film 78 from Jess Franco, and it's the 11th of 16 films that we've reviewed so far in the uh, Jess Franco, Irwin C. Dietrich collaboration. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they worked together for 17 times, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 16 times, and uh, coming together f- f- on this one, uh, Elsa the Wicked Warden. Um, let's see, uh, the original theatrical title in Country of Origin is um, Greta Haus und Manner, which is the Switzerland and West German release title which translates to House with Greta, House Without Men, uh, which is fitting for the title because she's a lesbian um, warden and this is an all-woman, um, supposed to be a rehabilitation clinic, but it's really a prison. Um, the other one is uh, Greta la Torchinaire, French-speaking regions. Um, alternate title, Wanda the Wicked Warden, which is the U.S. theatrical title. Then Greta the Mad Butcher, the Canadian theatrical Swiss sales brochure title. Uh, Greta Le Dune Bestia, uh, the Italian theatrical title. Greta the Beast Woman. Um, Penitentiary of Perverted Women, the French title. Penitentiaire de Femmes Pervers. Let's see. They got uh, Greta the Torture or Greta the Cruel. Uh, Greta La Ronde. Uh, Elsa, Absolute Power was a U.S. video title they threw on uh, later on. Uh, Elsa, Ultimate Perversions, uh, which is a French video on the Assault video label. Uh, French video on the California label was the Elsa, Ultimate Perversions. Uh, let's see here. Greta La Penitentiary de Femmes Perverse, the French alternative title. Elsa Le Torturere, uh, Canadian title. Slagen de Frogenhaar, Denver, Denmark video. Um, Elsa Butcher of Jungle Prison. Greta Haus Zundur Mannen. Greta House Without Men. Or Greta House, yeah, House Without Men. Uh, Greta German DVD. Elsa, uh, the Mad Butcher for the German Blu ray. No Man's Land, the English language pre-shooting title. Unconfirmed titles. Greta the Torture, Greta the Sadist. Elsa, Ultimate Perversions. Isodistria uh, to Stratus Pendun, German. Uh, Polish DVD is uh, Elsa the Wicked Warden. Elza, E-L-Z-A. Then uh, Elsa, a Fierce Wardess. The Russian DVD possible title. Uh, production companies on this is Elite Films, um, Elite Films, sorry, uh, AG from Zurich, which was um, Dietrich's company, as we've all went through. And then also this has uh, Aetis Film Production, A E T A S, out of Canada. The theatrical distributors, theatrical distributors for this. Uh, Avis Wilmerfleck out of Switzerland, West Germany, and Cinepix out of USA, Canada as Wanda the Wicked Warden. Uh, the shooting timeline on this is uh, they shot in Portugal from August 17th to September and uh, 1976, and it got the catalog and the certificate issued in Germany on January 18th of 77. And played Germany on January 21st of 77. Then Zurich in January 77. And played uh, Bielbinicea in Switzerland on March 9th of 77. Canada and Montreal June 18th, 77. Uh, Taranto in Italy on August 4th of 77. Uh, Turin August 31st, 77. Florence 
on September 7th, 77. Uh, then it was registered by Cinepix on October 16th of 78 and played uh, Rome in November 7th of 78 and played Huntington, USA as Wanda the Wicked Warden after they tried to uh, register it as Elsa the Wicked Warden. But uh, Don Edmonds, who did the first two films, already had it Elsa registered. So they had to release it as uh, Wanda the Wicked Warden for the theatrical, and then they changed it to Elsa later on on home video release. Um, the uh, theatrical running time on this is uh, the Germany version, 87 minutes, 17 seconds. And Blu-ray running time on the Ascot Elite is uh, 94.15 uh, director Jess Franco, story Erwin C. Dietrich as Manfred Greger. Screenplay Jess Franco, producer Erwin C. Dietrich. Director of photography Rudolf Kutel. Lighting Hans Zeifel. Music Walter Baumgartner. Line producer Max Dorn. Cast uh, Diane Thorne, Dr. Greta Del Pino, Lena Romay as Juana Mares, prisoner number 10. Uh, Tania Brussier plays Abigail, Abby Phillips. Abigail Garcia, number 41. Angela Rickshard is Rosa Phillips, prisoner number 52. Peggy Markoff as Carla, prisoner number 14. Esther Studer, prisoner number 24. Howard Marrer, director of federal prisons. Uh, Eric Falk plays Dr. Stefan Rigo. Um, Laura Lee Butcher, I'm sorry, Laura Lee Boucher as Lord Boucher is the chief guard. Uh, Mike Litterer, Stubby convict in gang rape scene. Esther Mosier is prisoner number 18 who creates the diversion in the showers. Uh, Roman Humer plays third convict in line in gang rape scene. Mariana Lederer, um, Yvonne Ibducier. Uncredited, Jesus Franco is Dr. Milton Arcos. Dagmar Bruger, blonde, blonde prisoner number nine. Carl Geisling, goatee convict in gang rape scene. Sir God Sharif as a uh, Prisoner number 20. In Flowers and Flowers of Perversion, Volume 2, uh, by Stephen Thrower, he writes, uh, Kept at the producer's heel for the first half of 1976, Franco was itching for more freedom. He wasn't allowed to operate the camera, he couldn't employ Daniel White to score his films, and even the editing was handled by, handled by someone else. In his Jack the Ripper commentary track, Erwin Diedrich claimed that cinematographer Peter Baumgartner usually edited the Franco films with his own technical team. And while he may, as Dietrich declares, have known exactly what Franco wanted, it was a far cry from the Denise productions from which Franco had assembled work prints on his own. However, after shooting Jack the Ripper, he was able to persuade Dietrich that his next film, a return to the woman in prison genre, required a tropical setting. Dietrich agreed, and so in August 76, Franco headed off to his favorite location, Sintra, in Portugal. This time, though, he would not be operating as a one-man band. Director of photography, Rudolf Kutel, lighting specialist, Hans Ziefel, and line producer, Max Dora, were all staunch Dietrich regulars. And Dora, in particular, was briefed to keep an eye on things. There was to be no hanky-panky, no little Manicoa productions springing from the soil of Dietrich's budget. Franco described what he had in mind for the film. A movie is already on paper. I like the English title, titled No Man's Land. It's the story of a lunatic asylum for women. I hope the movie is pretty surreal. The star for this journey into Sadosleaze was a big name in exploitation cinema, Ms. Diane Thorne internationally infamous for Elsa, She-Wolf of the SS. According to her, Franco's script was inspired by a real person who ran a sanatorium in Portugal where snuff films were made of inmates for profit. Dietrich's, which I don't know if that's true, but <clears throat> anyways. Um, Dietrich's decision to give Franco more freedom was influenced by two factors, the skillful job Franco had made of Jack the Ripper and the profits coming in from barbed wire dolls, which was turning into a major hit for the studio. No doubt the latter also influenced the choice of subject matter for the new Franco assignment. So after they did the first two... Uh, I'm sorry, the first, yeah, after the, the first two Elsa films. And uh, after that, when Edmonds moved on, distributors John Dunning and Andre Links of Cinepix were eager for more of the same, so they looked around for other directors to continue the line. 
1976, tantalizing press artwork circulated, promising the match of the century, Elsa meets Bruce Lee in the Devil's Triangle, available fall 76. Sadly, this never materialized, and instead the Canadian director, Jean Lefleur, directed the third entry in the series, Elsa the Tigress of Siberia, in 1977. Yeah, the Elsa meets Bruce Lee in the Devil's Triangle ad has always been one of my personal favorites uh, for at least... 25 years I've always obsessed on that ad and maybe I'll make a film of that we'll see one day that would definitely be a dream project for me um, but uh, of course can't do it with Bruce Lee anymore and can't do it with Diane Thorne but uh, you know there's other people that could fit a bill like that um, so it says uh, so after the third one case okay, says but wait what about the fourth Elsa film the raunchy and offensive one by that crazy Spanish director. Well, here's where the story gets complicated. Although it's frequently believed that Jess Franco directed a fourth entry in the Elsa series, this is not really true. The film we know today as Elsa the Wicked Warden was not intended to bear the name Elsa at all. Franco and producer Erwin C. Dietrich conceived and released the film in Switzerland and Germany as Greta Haus und Manner, literally Greta House Without Men or in the French-speaking parts of Switzerland, Greta Le Tourneur. While it's true that the film stars Diane Thorne and her persona as Greta is pretty much identical to Elsa, when Franco put the film together, he created, at least nominally, a new character. Only when picked up for, distrib- for distribution in the USA did the association with the Elsa films grow, and even then, it's not as straightforward as it is commonly as- assumed, having only really blossomed with the advent of videotape. So Elsa the Wicked Warden is not a true Elsa film, but the tone is very similar, right down to the deliberately outrageous shock scenes. Needles stuck into breasts, erotic asphyxia, mutilation, flagellation. Franco delivers in spades the sort of sadosexual nastiness that Elsa fans adore and detractors abhor. For Elsa, she wolf of the SS, director Don Edmonds had benefited from the special makeup effects of Joe Blasco, who also created the groundbreaking effects for Cronenberg's Shivers. There was no one like Blasco to design special effects for Greta Haus und Manner, so Franco, who never cared much for special effects anyway, simply amplified the sleaze factor, giving the audience a different kind of shudder while leaving no one shortchanged. In the film's most infamous scene, he delivers a coprophagic interlude so gloatingly nasty that it deserves pride of place in the exploitation halls of infamy. The scene involves new girl Abby, who is fishing for information about her missing sister Rosa, being blackmailed into licking the ass of the queen bitch of the cell block, Juana, played by Franco's muse, Lena Romay. When Juana demands, Lick my culo, immediately after we see her using the toilet, itself a rarity in such movies, nothing in the special effects toolkit could compete with the ensuing violation. Franco places in the mind of the viewer an image so intimate, so disgusting, that a prosthetic stimulation would only diminish the effect. Acting and camera placement do everything so one could ask to sell the scene, short of a visit to the furthest shores of scat porn. Lena Romay plays her character coldly, brilliantly, and one can only gasp at Franco's sheer nerve. Presaged by Juana's offhand remark to another prisoner as she sits on the toilet, with these trots I better not move. The scene vaults over the good taste barrier, and by the time Romay is ordering poor Abby to Come on, lick my culo. You don't want to know about Rosa Phillips. We're stunned by this brazen eruption of scatological sadism. Some will be disgusted, a very few turned on, while others, myself included, can only cheer from the sidelines as Franco once again demonstrates his commitment to every aspect of the perverse. The presence of Peggy Markov's Carla, observing it all, adds an extra tinge of humiliation and her casual words of advice after the degradation. Stop crying. After all, she kept her word. You should try to forget what she's done. Refuse even to hint at moral outrage. Truly a scene Desaad himself would have loved. Miss Thorne is an icon of excess who seems as though she's sprung from some unholy and deeply unlikely bedroom alliance between John Waters and Tora Santana. The film is ultimately dominated by her over-the-top sense of fun, beginning with shots of her enjoying a luxury bubble bath and soaping her large breasts. There's an undercurrent of purring playfulness that only the humorless could miss. Of course, this simply adds to the disorienting weirdness of the film. 
Tonally, the film is all over the place. At times, thanks to the music, we even stray into what feels like a corny adventure serial. Such wrenching disparities are a hallmark of Franco's films in the late 70s and early 80s. Bearing in mind Dietrich's self-confessed dismay with the technical roughness of barbed wire dolls, Greta House und Manor was evidently meant to be the deluxe version of barbed wire dolls. The internal dynamics of sex and sadism are present and correct, but they're dolled up with star presence, reasonably careful photography, traditional musical cues, and a framing device that locates the horror in a world beyond the confines of the prison. The script tries to ground the story in the real world of political and press corruption, and in doing so sets up a kind of cognitive dissidence between the immoral pleasures of witnessing sadism and the existence of a moral framework in the narrative. However, once the real world has been acknowledged, the template is the same as before. The girls in the clinic include a cynical lesbian, a warden's favorite, a madwoman, an innocent newcomer, and Eric Falk as a brutal prison guard. Even the electric shock bed from Barbed Wire Dolls makes a comeback. Another returning star from Barbed Wire Dolls is actress Peggy Markoff, who played the self-styled queen of the prison camp in the first film. Here she is again in a similarly baroque and deranged role as Carla, whose backstory, related in a lengthy dialogue scene, really stands out for an imaginative excess. After going to such extremes, the film needs a good solid exploitation ending, and Franco delivers in spades. Elsa is set upon and torn to pieces by her victims, led by Juana, whose conscience has finally tweaked after seeing Abby reunited with her sister Rosa, only to find poor Rosa has been drivically as driven has been driven hopelessly insane in a dingy torture cellar beneath the clinic. Franco cleverly intercuts shots of the prisoners chewing at Elsa's flesh with shots of lions and tigers mauling their natural prey, suggesting the animalistic rage of womankind. The oppressed literally eat the oppressor alive, and to hell with the International Treaty on Human Rights. Meanwhile, in a last cynical twist, we see Eric Falk in his hidey hole, merrily capturing Elsa's grisly death rose on film, for sale to the snuff-seeking client who has been buying recordings of the prisoner's sufferings throughout. Perhaps a paranoid misinterpretation of the final twist explains why Cinepix allegedly took against the film. Elsa, the Wicked Warden, is one of Franco's most outrageous films, suffering, offering a spectacle of sexual sadism so pungent, so over-the-top, that on release The Grindhouse of America in the late 1970s, it left some audience members heaving. Others took delight in Franco's anything-goes excesses. According to writer and Slee's biographer Bill Landis, when the film played on New York's 42nd Street, it received howls of approval from hard-to-please regulars, cruising the city's sleaze pits for the ultimate in-screen shocks. It's a testament to Franco's unerring taste for transgression that the film is still capable of shocking viewers today. Franco on screen. As a concerned Dr. Arcos, Franco is on the side of the angels this time. Off screen, Franco enjoyed cordial relation with his visiting American superstar. Asked on a DVD commentary if Franco is a tyrant on set, Thorne said, He's a gentleman. He's too smart to be angry. All right, cast and crew. Um, in many ways, this is as much a star vehicle for Diane Thorne as Jack the Ripper was for Klaus Kinski. The Elsa films may not belong in the same artistic constellation as Aguiar Wrath of God, but in her own way, Diane Thorne was as much of a proven screen present as Kinski, who, let's not forget, spent much of the 60s and early 70s making films in then disguise and then, I'm sorry, <clears throat> uh, making films in then despised genres like the Spaghetti Western and the Giallo, with larger-than-life personality and two of the biggest upfront scene stealers in the business. Thorne was one of the first examples of what one might call sleaze royalty, along with such alternative megastars as Divine and Tora Santana. Mainstream coverage for her films were virtually non-existent, but anyone who walked through Times Square between 1973 and 1982 probably saw her face on posters in front of house steals a thousand times. She enters so fully into the spirit of the film that it can be puzzling to read her interview claiming that she didn't know she was uh, doing sexploitation film, which is pretty stupid. Uh, music. Conventional orchestra scoring mixed with some Latin numbers and a few stray cuts from other Dietrich productions. Um, the title song from Downtown plays on a jukebox in a scene where Eric Falk hands over torture Super 8 reels to a sleazy customer. 
The Curious synthesizer music during the electro torture scene was previously used by Dietrich in a supernatural themed porno, The Tufel in Miss Jonas, to accompany appearances by a weird demonic monster. Exteriors were filmed during August 1976 in Sintra, Portugal. This marked the first time Franco had been there to the area since 1974 when he shot parts of Julia to 69 there. Um, location interiors were filmed at the brooding Villa Sonnenberg, perched on a hill at the edge of a forest on the outskirts of Zurich. Built in 1911 by the architect Frederick Wilhelm Fissler, this 39-room mansion started life as an orphanage. Today it houses a music school for children aged 4 to 17, but for a week or two in August 1976, its labyrinth network of empty rooms became the inner chambers of Elsa's brutal private clinic, providing both the interior spaces for the prisoners and for Elsa's private chambers. Its hallways, carefully redressed with lots of raffia scenes, and coconut matting doubled in the cafe where Nestor trades his snuff films. More interior shots were collected, as usual, at the Dietrich Studios above the restaurant Gestoff Neuhaus, now destroyed, in Rumlag near Zurich. Canadian and America theatrical releases. Okay, here's interesting stuff. Uh, Greta Hans und Manner was first picked up for release in the English-speaking world by Canadian distributors Sinpix who put it out in June 1977 as Greta the Mad Butcher on a double bill with Alan Payette's Love Train for SS. A year later, on October 16, 1978, Cinepix registered the film with the U.S. Library of Congress under a new title, Elsa the Wicked Warden. However, it appears there was legal problems, probably stemming from the director of the first two Elsa films, Don Edmonds, because as far as I can ascertain, Franco's film never played theatrically in either Canada or the U.S. under that title. It did, however, turn up on video as Elsa the Wicked Warden and Elsa Absolute Power in the early to mid-1980s. In the USA, the film was picked up by veteran film buyer Bernie Jacon and released as Wanda the Wicked Warden. Jacon had worked for many years at the New York-based indie distributor Cambiest Films Incorporated, who handled the American releases of the first two Elsa films, but he left in March of 1978 when Cambus, citing declining income from the exploitation circuits, began scaling down their interest in erotica. The first release date I've been able to trace for Wanda the Wicked Warden was in January 1979, after which it toured as the headline film of a nationwide triple bill with Elsa She Wolf of the SS and Elsa Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks. Canadian and American VHS releases. Only on videotape did Greta, House und Manor, finally see the light of day as Elsa the Wicked Warden. Cinepix released it with that title on Canadian VHS in 1983. Five years later, the unimaginatively unnamed American video used the Elsa title too, with virtually the same box art except for a splattery decal on the front cover containing a quote from Cinema Magazine. For pure, unadulterated wickedness, no screen villain out evils Elsa. Anchor Bay released the film as Elsa the Wicked Warden on video in July 2000, and the same went for the DVD a few years later. Since then, the film continues to be sold under the Elsa title for the English-speaking releases on DVD and Blu-ray. Connections The scene in which Greta Elsa is torn apart and eaten by her prisoners is reminiscent of a scene in The Bloody Judge, in which a vengeful Diane Lorries lends a similar attack on a sidekick of Judge Jeffries, responsible for the death and torture of many prisoners. Also, too, uh, they don't mention it here, but uh, it's very similar to, to the ending of um, Isle of Dr. Moreau, um, Island of Lost Souls. Um, also, they reuse it later in Hellhole. If you watch the film Hellhole with Ray Sharkey and um, Mary Warnov and that, there's quite a bit of the torture stuff with the prisoners, which is really similar to this, and then them killing her at the end with the, with the knives, um, which, of course, that's also taken from um, Dead Eyes of London, uh, the human monster, which is similar, too, with the blind guys. Um, other versions. Despite being retitled for the American market, there are no differences, apart from the Leeds altered character name, between the original German-language version and the American the version released theatrically as Wanda the Wicked Warden has never surfaced on any home entertainment format. 
There is no indication, however, that Wand of the Wicked Warden differed in content from Elsa the Wicked Warden. It appears by the name was only the thing that was changed. The French variant Penitentiaire de Femmes Perverse is not to be confused with another film of the same title starring Merleau Tullo and Martine Bruchard. Yes, okay. So, yeah, that's what they have written up on um, Elsa the Wicked Warden and uh, Wanda the Wicked Warden, all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, we watched it on the uh, Elsa Wicked Warden uh, Anchor Bay DVD that I've probably owned for about 20 years now. I'm going to probably pick up the Ascot Elite one because there's not many extras on it, but it's Blu-ray. It's upgrade. And, you know, I'm going to still keep this DVD the Anchor Bay one, because it's got the commentary track with uh, Diane Thorne and uh, Don Edmonds on it, and uh, which is cool to have that the Blu-ray, I don't think, has. So, uh, so yeah, this uh, was uh, film 19, Elsa the Wicked Warden, film 78. I'm sorry, episode 19, film 78, uh, the 11th of 16 that we do with uh, Dietrich and Franco. Uh, you can please get a hold of us at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Um, and, uh, you know, that's our mission statement here is to praise and in memory of Jess Franco, breaking the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. And uh, we keep seeing new numbers of listeners joining every week. So it's really cool. We're getting everybody downloading the episodes. Uh, I'm seeing days where people are downloading the complete 14, 15 episodes that we have more by now by the time this episode airs. Because, uh, like I said, this will be number 19. So, um, yeah, thank you for downloading Please, if you're just listening to the episodes, download them because it increases our numbers. And uh, the more numbers we get, the more they'll let us do advertising. And then we'll even get more bigger audience and uh, more Franco fans will pop up. More Franco titles will be sold. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, works out on the other end as well. Uh, let's see here. Um, you know me, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions. Uh, I'm working on a few films right now myself, writing scripts, doing the podcast, and uh, in these COVID times still, um, hope we get the vaccine going around, and uh, we can start shooting, get everybody uh, vaccinated, get everybody uh, with the vaccine, so everybody's great to, to be available to film and to be out and about and to be relaxed and to be getting back to our way of life that we so... I don't know, didn't really take advantage of, well, I mean, not take advantage of, but we took for granted, I should say. But, uh, you know, I don't know, when something's there all the time, it's, 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 I guess it is easy to take granted of. But now that we've been without for so long and now able to return to what we love and want to do, it makes those things much sweeter. So, like me, I've uh, been just fruitful with my ideas and titles and film ideas and uh, writing about six or seven different films right now, so... It uh, yeah, it all it all feeds itself, you know. I mean, inspiration is where you take it, and you should never turn your face away from inspiration. Always be open to it. Uh, listen to the signs. Let things inspire you. Um, I don't know. For me, inspirations, things I hear, goofy things on the radio, commercials, weird street signs I'll read, things I'll see while driving. That's uh, driving in my car is a big inspiration for me. Um, it's my way to kind of watch public and watch things and, and take from that. So, you know, that's one thing that helps me a lot. Um, so yeah, um, we enjoyed Elsa at the, after this, uh, you'll hear the trailer or you have bumper music, of course, hear the trailer. And then you'll hear the review that me and Eric did for, uh, Eric and I did for Elsa, the wicked warden. So, uh, thanks again for listening and, uh, I'll see you next time. Adios, and listen to the review. Wanda, the Wicked Warden. Starring Diane Thorne as Greta. You knew her as the ruthless and evil Ilsa. Now, in a role even more cruel, sadistic, tyrannically insane. Protected by the authorities, she is free to reign over an hallucinatory world, a fraudulent mental clinic for sexual delinquents, more than that, a prison for the sane. They beat our brains out. We're not really crazy. We're political prisoners, that's all. 
Dan, the wicked warden. Unmerciful. She's lost too much blood. She shouldn't be moved. That's not important. Take her away. Yes, take her away to the hellhole where the victims tear each other apart. A nightmare world of primitive fashion and bloody sexual violence. Ah, ah well, we must cauterize you before you cause more trouble. Nobody ever leaves this inferno alive. Surrounded by a beautiful but impenetrable jungle, they flee in vain. The ones who try are hunted down like wild beasts and shot with even less compassion. Who is the boss? Rock, listen to her. Wonder, the wicked warden. Starring Diane Thorne. Directed by Jess Franco. Welcome again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, and we are on episode 19 of the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, once again, I am your host, Jason Rudy, and I am joined by my co-host, Eric Whitwell. Hola. Hola, como esta? Oh, bien. Oh, bien. Good. Uh, so tonight, uh, we watched Elsa the Wicked Warden, which is, uh, let's see... Film seventy eight from Jess Franco and film eleventh or the eleventh of sixteen films he did with Erwin uh, C Dietrich that we've reviewed. So this is eleven. So we got twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. We got five more films left of the Dietrich collection. So we're winding down on that. Um, <clears throat> after that, I don't know. We're probably going to go maybe back to the beginning, maybe skim through, maybe do Orloff and do some of the bigger titles or maybe go back to film one. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Also too, if you have ideas or things you want us to review, let us know and we'll figure that out and figure all that good stuff. Um, this, uh, film we watched, uh, also the wicked warden. Uh, let's see. I'll give you a brief synopsis of the film first from the book flowers of perversion, the, the delirious cinema of Jesus Franco volume two by Stephen thrower. Uh, synopsis. South America, the 1970s. Elsa, or Greta if you prefer, is the warden of Las Palomas, a private clinic which specializes in female sexual abnormalities. However, in truth, the clinic is a prison where various social undesirables and political prisoners are incarcerated. Elsa herself is a sadistic lesbian who uses the women for her own sick amusement. The chief guard makes Super 8 films of the various atrocities and sells them to a man called Diaz. One patient, Rosa Phillips, manages to escape and finds her way through the jungle to the humanitarian and liberal activist, Dr. Milton Arcos. Before Dr. Arcos can be of any help, Elsa and her guards arrive to take the young woman away. Later, the doctor is informed that she has died. Horrified, Dr. Arcos approaches a humanitarian rights organization with his suspicions about the clinic. He is told the organization shares his concern, but without proof, there's nothing they can do. Outside, he is met by Abby Phillips, Rosa's sister, and the two of them hatch a plan to discover what really happened to Rosa. Dr. Arcos will have Abby admitted to the clinic for a month, after which he will go to the clinic and insist that she be released due to a diagnostic error but they reckon without Elsa's wickedness and determination to stay on top. Without the clinic, brutal crimes are perpetrated against the inhabitants, including Abby, who eventually discovers the awful fate of her sister. But can Elsa cling to power indefinitely? Uh, quickly, I, th I liked it. Uh, Eric, what did you think about the film? That was a really good movie. 
Like that honestly has probably been one of my favorites so far that I've that I've seen of his. Um, yeah, it was just the plot was great. The acting was really good. Um, the lighting, like it was just the pace. Yeah, it was really good. I thought it was just a really really good movie. Yeah, he had a. <clears throat> it was it was good because it's like uh, like we read before. You know, he did. Uh, the, the films for Dietrich, he's, he did the barbed wire dolls, and then he snuck around and did bear behind our, uh, um, oh shit, God damn it, let's face it. Yeah, he's like, it's like he did, uh, um, barbed wire dolls, and he did, uh, women behind bars, and then he, you know, of course, did the downtown and slaves, and then had a problem with, uh, Duncan where he saw and all that stuff, and then had the Mandinka problems, and then, so then he had to do the, the three, uh, girls in the night traffic, mono erotica, and, and, uh, white skin, black thigh, so like, being trapped with that and then finally have a little bit of freedom to do Jack uh, Jack the Ripper uh, then he finally had more freedom now to do this film so it's like when you're pent up and you finally get to like do something you kind of see it and that's probably why this film is is very enjoyable you know especially the last two films you know Jack the Ripper was yeah. fun too and you've seen a nice change of pace yeah and this is definitely more of a film film and it's a throwback to his earlier films yeah. where he has a budget and he has great dialogue and stuff and the dubbing's not bad i'm curious um we watched the english version um we watched the uh the anchor bay dvd i've had for like 20 years this is probably like maybe the fourth or fifth time i've seen this film but my first time seeing it being a just franco enthusiast now and, and the host and all that stuff uh it, it was cool watching it um I'm going to go over the cast a little bit because um, that's important. There's a lot of Jess Franco regulars in this. Um, of course, Diana Thorne is awesome in this. Um, she comes to this having already done three Elsa films and a bunch of other softcore and exploitation films throughout the years. Um, but it's cool to see her as like a character in this, as Elsa, of course, as an established character, and then have her with Lena, which is really, really cool. I was remarking about that when we were watching it. It was cool to see those two together. So yeah, Elsa uh, Diane Thorne plays Doctor Greta Del Pino, so the uh, the Palomino Clinic. Um, Leo Romay is Juana Moran Juana Moraes, uh prisoner number ten. Um, Tamina Boussier plays Abigail Abby Phillips. Uh, Abigail Garcia number forty one. She's the lead, the gal that goes in looking for the the prison. Um, so beautiful. Yeah, she's very she very she looks a little bit like. Um, Isabella Johnny had remarked too. We'll see her in that. Um, uh, Angela Richard plays Rosa Phillips, uh, prisoner f- number fifty-two. Uh, Peggy Markoff returns in this. She's great as this film. She's Carla, prisoner number fourteen, and she says to her later, "My pet name. You call me my pet name, um, number seven, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought that was a clever line. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm number 14, but you can call me by my pet name, Seven. Yeah, Seven. <laughs> uh, Esther Studer plays prisoner of number 24. So, uh, Eric, what do you think about Esther Studer in this film? Oh, man. She's like, not one of your favorites. She's not one of my favorites in this film, no. No. no, no. Eric didn't like her hair, her hairstyle with the with the water, I think. <laughs> well, maybe the scars, too, in her yeah. face. That, that could have helped out a little bit. Yeah, uh, well, the thing about the scars, too, there was really good like effects. Eric remarked, and I remarked, like the the scarring on the people's faces and their breasts and the tattooing of the numbers on it looked really good. It looked really good. Yeah. Like the, her sister, um, who she was going in to like, try and save or see. Right, right. Like the, the scars on her face were incredible. Like they, there was deep indentations. Like Yeah, they it were didn't so look fake. Like no. it wasn't like a fake prosthetic glued on or something. There's, it's The lining of it is hard. It almost like made it within the lines of the – yeah, I'm curious. I'll, I'll have to look. Anyway, talk about that. That's interesting. Yeah, it was just really, really well done. Really well done. And, um, yeah, I thought the like the torture scenes were kind of uh, interesting. And, like, it was just the special effects were just, yeah, it's some of the best I've seen so far. Yeah, and, like, it's it's very similar to, to uh, um, Women Behind Bars and um, Barbed Wire Dolls. Some of the torture, like, there's that scene again with a woman laying on the box, well, laying on the, um, the, um, bed frame the wire bed frame and being shocked but it's different and this the lights don't go in and out and she doesn't writhe around it's and there's like a sound effect on the machine it's weird you know but yeah uh, back to the cast um so yes esther studer plays uh prisoner 24 uh, howard mauer plays the director of federal prisoner he's the one that has an affair with uh diane thorne's character elsa slash greta um eric falk returns as <laughs> dr stefan rigo he's funny 
he doesn't really have much of emotion on this. He's always just has this goofy, like straight ahead. He doesn't show sadness or happiness. He just, I don't know. Yeah, he just he just has that one little, yeah, like that stupid dorky look. <laughs> yeah, he always has this weird like, <laughs> smile, like, like a smirk. Like he just has a smirk, and he doesn't blink very much, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see, okay. Uh, let's see. They have Laura Lee Boucher is the chief guard. I think she's the one that was in uh, um, uh, around the world in eighty beds and. Um, Want erotic on that? I think yeah. she's she, she's the one listed as there. Um, let's see. Uh, Mike Ladere plays stubbly convict in gang rape scene. I think that's the heavy set guy that's in the last <laughs> the last couple films. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That's funny. That's a nice credit. Stubbly convict in gang rape scene. <laughs> oh yeah, I recognize you. Uh, so Esther Mosier is prisoner number eighteen who creates diversion in the showers. But that's weird. I thought that's Esther Moser. I'll have to, I'll have to look and see that. Because, yeah, I said Esther, Esther Moser's in this, but I'll have to see if she's in it or Esther Studer, which I'll have to see who they are. Um, and Because I think they have switched by accident. Um, Roman, who, Roman Hubert plays third convict in line in gang rape scene. Okay, so that's the guys we were like, those guys. Uh, Mariana Ledere, uh Yvonne Esther. Uh, it must be two of the prisoners. Uncredited, Jesus Franco is Dr. Milton Arcos. Yeah, so Jess Franco in this, he's like a total good guy in this film. It's totally funny. Yeah. And it, it was, I was telling Eric, too, it's funny. Like, knowing all this stuff with him and Lena and and uh, the fair and stuff he had, now he's trying to, like, put himself in a good eye of everything. He's, like, upstanding citizen. He has a woman that's his daughter that's probably about 18 in the film, which would be, like, the girls he's usually with in, in past films. <laughs> He's an upstanding citizen. He's he's a good guy, you know. Um, he's a fast, snappy dresser. He has like three outfits, and his shirts are always like halfway unbuttoned in it. He's clean shaven. <laughs> he has a mustache in this. He's pretty suave, but yeah. you know, yeah, he's just an all around good, a good father. Yeah, he's, he's like totally like a good guy. And this is so funny <laughs> watching. I was like, shut the fuck up. Uh, let's see. Um, Dagmar Bouguer plays blonde prisoner number nine. Uh, Carl Geisling is the goateed convict. Oh, okay, that's the guy. Carl Geisling, goateed convict in gang rape scene. Okay. That's yeah. the guy in the past couple of films, yeah. yeah. He was in downtown, and he was in uh, uh, Girls in Night Traffic and that. Uh, let's see. Um, Cigar Sharif, which is, she's ooh, another returning one. She's uh, Cigar Sharif, the black convict number 20. And they also add IMDb ads Sandra Brennan and Alex Exler. Um, some sources claim that the actress playing prisoner number 20, which is Sigat Sharif, is not Sigat Sharif, but Yvonne Edlisler, which is funny because that's, that's the same gal, I think, because we totally recognized her. The one that was talking through the pipes all the time. Yeah. And, yeah, there's this lady that was talking through the pipes, and it's like people were like, and tortured and like in pain and this lady just keeps talking We're like shut up we're trying to like <laughs> you know stay here so okay so with this film um yeah like i i agree with eric it was really really edited well um it uh flowed really well uh really good costuming um Diane Thorne's really good Diane Thorne's eyes are really funny in this oh it's incredible yeah she just had this weird like Betty Davis kind of Joan Crawford, I don't know, kind of melodramatic stare. It's funny. Oh yeah, she was evil, man. Her eyes like were Sunset evil. Boulevard or whatever. She was getting off on that stuff. Man. Yeah. Okay, so on the Franco count uh, list of this, real quick, before I go into the, basically the synopsis of the film, that um, there is body of waters in this, but no sailboats or yeah, no, no boats. boats of any kind. So yeah, tons of bodies of water, but no boats. Um, dance scene in a club. No. no. Uh, yeah, there wasn't any no. dancing. No, just no, a lot of stripping, but no dancing. Um, palm trees, yes, the, tons of palm trees. Jungle sound effects, a little bit, but in, in the end, they went full board the animals yeah. and stuff in the very last scene, which was really, really good. Uh, no sheepskin rug because I think that was the last those those sets the, on on the set of Dietrich films. Um, masturbation with a sea item, no. No, it wasn't much. There well, was some masturbation. The woman, the convict, rubbing her boobs a little bit. Yeah. And uh, 
and Bush and stuff. And then there was uh, girls. When she first came in, the girls were kind of rubbing her and, and kind of doing that a little bit. But it wasn't that much. Um, and then Diana Thorne didn't really, I don't think. No, she's worth women. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, red lights, yes. There's red lights with the Dinah Thorne scene when she's with the uh, uh, guard guy, or the, yeah, uh, he's like the director yeah. of all the prison system. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That. There's yeah. a scene with that. Um, and then when I was watching uh, Doctor Dr. Orloff the other night, there was like a I was seeing watching that just as for fun, not as an episode. And watching it as an early film, I started noticing all the other archetypes that I kind of missed. Because um, then there's, there's the palm trees and there's body of water. I was laughing. There's a few other things. But there's one thing I totally zoned over was uh, the chained up woman in the film. And in this and all the ones we've watched pretty much, uh, I think, let's see, Voodoo Passion, I don't know, White Skin, Black Thighs, I'm not sure. Sexy Sisters, there is a woman chained to the bed. Um, also, too, in Orloff, there's a... Uh, a scene of where Orloff has his daughter behind uh, this kind of like prison gate and she's laying on a bed. I thought of sexy sisters where the woman's on the bed and there's like that. And they also use the same exact bars where they got that weird kind of a ripple to it. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of cool seeing that. Um, so yeah, so the chained up woman, there's quite a few chained up women in this. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the doctor, uh, the Fu Manchu had the chained up women, Barbara Dahl, slaves, you know, Marquis de Sade. A lot of those have the chained up women in there. Um, and this Lena's magic tongue is another one that I'm adding into the list. Um, does she use her magic tongue in this film? I would say no. I didn't see it. I but didn't see it. She makes number 14 or number 41 use her magic tongue. <laughs> That was funny. She's like, yeah, you want forgiveness? You want me to help you? Yeah, you want information? Yeah. She just took a shit. She turns around and hands her a piece of paper says, wipe me. Wipe my culo. It's like the girl has to clean her ass with a toilet paper. And then she goes, oh, now you're going to get in there. And so then, oh, God, dude. Starts licking her ass when she has diarrhea. That is hilarious. Yeah, she says, I better not move that much. I have the trots. <laughs> <laughs> and it must have been real bad because the girl started throwing up like right afterwards. So that yeah. was just some nasty she ass like prison. Ass and then she like threw up and she's like, okay, I'll tell you where your sister is. Yeah, because I... the girl is. Yeah. <laughs> You're on my good side now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and this, it kind of like opens up. You see like the jungle setting and you see the body of water. And then I was kind of writing, well, these are my basic notes. I didn't really write a, a whole bunch of notes because uh, I actually enjoyed a lot of the film. Uh, like I said, this is the English dub version. I'm going to check out and see if there was a German version or what. Um, so, yeah, it starts off with a jungle setting. You see the body of water start the uh, one minute. Yeah, so you see the first nudity of the film was one minute, 50 seconds. <laughs> it's the shower scene with, like, six or seven girls, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah women women in the scene. It's where Esther, like, take... Yeah, that's right. Esther does. I don't know if it's Studer or Mosher. I think, I think it's Mosher is that one, right? Esther Mosher? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not I, yeah sure. I'll double check that. So, yeah, so she does the, the screaming and then it does the diversion and uh, the other chick takes off running. Oh, dude, and, she went out. Yeah, dude, she, she went for it. This gal sneaks out of the shower, grabs her shirt and, like, two buttons and then just books naked through the jungle. Eric was, like, just dumbfounded by, like, how dangerous the setting was and what could be in the waters and these weird jungle settings that she was running through, barefoot through rocks and the fucking yeah. diving into ponds being shot at. And, yeah, it yeah. was incredible. I was like, whoa, man. Like, I'd be scared of, like, spiders and snakes and, like, yeah. what am I going to step on something? Like, what 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 creature am I going to surprise? Right, all what of a rocks going to hurt my foot? Yeah, like, she's running through the jungle barefoot, like, yeah. full board. Like, he gets... He, Franco gets the yeah he gets his actors to really commit to their their parts yeah you know in the film you're either gonna be nude and like running fucking naked outside somewhere or doing something like you know getting everything into it if you're gonna be a featured you know performer most definitely Um, I wouldn't want to run through your backyard barefoot I know let alone fucking I mean, and she was running through like multiple settings and diving into things and you know waterfalls and fucking you know hide behind things and she's crazy uh, yeah, so then you saw palm trees and uh, Elsa's big eyes is what I kept noticing that she kept like selling the eyes, you know. Uh, let's see, yeah, the female prison guard we recognized from uh, Wanda Erotica around the world in the 80 beds. Um, 
uh, let's see, 41, uh, of course, and then uh, is was the lead. And uh, uh, number 14 is Peggy Markoff. We said before that her pet name is number seven. Um, there's really a great lighting scene with uh, Peggy Markoff's character, 14, in the lead, number 41, where they're laying there talking to each other, and the sunlight was hitting them, and there was like a rainbow effect on the lady laying on her back with a rainbow across her boob. That was a really good shot. Yeah. It's like really, it's like probably the best lighting in that film was that scene. I was, I kept marking out over that scene. It's like, damn, it's a really good lighting scene. It was just a basic scene. It was really a good, like a fucking nice scene. I thought it was incredible. Like yeah. the lighting was perfect on it. I, I love the way that he always frames his shots. Like, yeah, like in that one, there was a female prisoner that's in the foreground and she's, you know, rubbing her nipples and her going down her stomach. And so he keeps her in the shot, like fuzzy. Yeah. Just you know? totally out of focus in the yeah. foreground. As that's in the very front of the shot, like he's saying, and then you see the performance in the middle ground in the background. Yeah, no, it, was, it was man, really good, really, really good. Yeah, and then of course I've written "Naked Woman Chained Up," which is what you see. Um, and then uh, the one one gal was talking, and uh, I'd remarked a line that I liked, and she talked about uh, Lena Romay's character being addicted to pain because there's a scene where. She goes to see Elsa, and Elsa has her lay down, and she starts putting pins into her. wouldn't let her scream, and she puts pins all up and down her midsection up to her boobs, and then Elsa lays on top of her and says, and now you can scream, and like pushes her body into her body and yeah. pushes the pins into her. Yeah, that was, that was really creative. Yeah. There's a lot of kinks in this film. There's, of course, uh, the chaining up. There's the fecal... Uh, fecal kink <laughs> there's licking of assholes in this film there's uh, of course snuff film foot stuff there's uh, um, uh, what else pain of course the pain kink there's, there's so much in this film that they try to nail all the stuff and, and definitely Franco definitely goes down that alley um, but yeah like so she was talking about Lena Romay and she's talking about how much she's into pain and she says a wound is like a kiss to her body, which I thought that was a cool line. Yeah, um, yeah and then there's an electroshock scene in bed, like in Barbed Wire Dolls, and um, you see the red light with Elsa in bed, and uh, the you have this, the uh, sound effect over the... Uh, so, oh, yeah, there's uh, the sound effect overload at the end when all the women get their revenge on Elsa and yeah. start eating the shit out of her. <laughs> yeah, the, the red light scene, though, was really cool, the way he did that also, because... She's uh, Elsa's doing this like strip tease for this guy, like seducing him, but he kept her out of focus like the entire time, and like it's like he focused on like a lamp that was like near her, and like she was out of focus the whole time, and it was really cool the way it was done. You know what I mean? It was really really cool. Um, yeah, no, it was it was very stylized. It was like okay, like I was talking to Eric when I was watching this. It's like okay, well you have Diana Thorne, so obviously you want to get her naked probably three or four times. Okay, well. Besides seeing her naked, what are you going to do with her naked? How, how are you going to make it interesting? Okay, we've seen her nude before. How are you going to make it different? So that was like one of the things. Like he sees her, you first see her nude in a bathtub, and she's like, okay, that's cool. And she's listening, and you see the, the typical bathtub scene. That's a good nude scene. And then with her, with this one, it's cool because, he, like Eric was saying, it's it's totally out of focus. You only see like her knee is in focus, her hand or something. Something in the foreground, I forgot what it was. And uh, she's totally out of focus. And then when the the um, lead guy or the the lead prison or the lead guard guy whatever he was in charge of prisons and her get into the bed together he shoots it through like this like vase or, or glass that's on the table or something and it's totally right in the middle of the scene and creates a cool effect because it takes the titillation out of it and turns it into just to an artful shot but still retaining the nudity and you see glimpses of it but it doesn't it takes away the effect of it you know which I totally dug because he he showed you the nudity, but then took away the reason for you to watch it, and then made you appreciate it on a different level, which I thought was a fucking cool move, you know? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just a here's excessive. a pussy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, because she turned over, and then you see it, and he he gives you later what you want to see, because she turns over, and it's like, wow, there's a nice rare vagina shot of Diana Thorne. Yeah, and you, you know, because she kept hiding, she kept turning away from the camera, and then she turns over, and you're like, okay, there, there's there it is. there's the money shot <laughs> that you wanted all. to see, you know. <laughs> But you put that at the end, not, you know, focused. But, yeah, um, for this, it was interesting because uh, the tone was different. It was more like a, a punishing of of sexuality compared to an embrace of it. The only embracing of it was Elsa's character. 
so Franco kept that tone different too in this. I was thinking about that, like with the love making between the women compared to the other films where it was excessive and it was like a normal thing here. It was like, well, that's not supposed to happen here. And, and only Elsa does that. But even with Elsa, it was a pain thing with Lena, you know, and she, yeah. she fucked with the guy, but she was a lesbian and she wasn't into it. She did it just to let her prison keep going and to kind of like be in his favor. So when they did the, the inspection later, she can get away with the shit and yeah. fucking play it off, you know? So, yeah, I thought it was interesting how they use sex in this film compared to his other films. It had a different feel and tone to it and stuff. Um, yeah, and then, of course, in the end, uh, but it was cool, actually, before I get to that, uh, Eric, Eric Falk's character in this, he was, like, selling uh, snuff film footage. So he would basically, like, hide and film this fucking footage. And in downtown, he was being filmed by Frank on the other side of the of this, like, fucking uh, two-way mirror. And on this the actual like painting would move out of the way and you see him with this goofy smile on the fucking 16 millimeter, 18 millimeter camera filming this, the snuff footage or the, or the torture footage. Actually, it was actually torture footage. Yeah. And then, uh, and at the very end he filmed Elsa, uh, Greta, whatever, getting killed. Um, and then he was going to sell that to the, to this guy. So the guy I'm talking about that was buying the footage was in, uh, the past few films. He was in Mondo erotica, uh, around the world, Need beds. And in uh, girls night traffic and that he was the guy wearing the fez having sex in the in the red light district. Yeah. So he was the one in this that was buying the footage from Eric Falk's character, and he wanted uh, kind of an animalistic ritual killing. He said at the end something very animalistic, and that's what they did. So, so we were watching this, and I was kept trying to push the sound effects, but I knew they weren't doing it that much. And finally, Franco unleashed the whole <laughs> animal soundtrack at the end. He had a coyote there multiple times. And the, <laughs> Kind of, they had like played like four or five times. Had the tiger, I think a monkey might have been in there. Uh, a couple other jungle things that were thrown in there, and you know, with the growls and shivs, pretty funny. But yeah, it was very effective. I don't know in this the, the blood they used. It was orange instead of red, and it kept bothering me because it looked so fake. Like, uh, oh yeah, what funny scene Eric noticed? Well, I noticed too when uh, when they were whipping this woman chained up. They had the the liquid on the whip so when you whip the person the liquid would get on the person well i thought it hit the hair but eric noticed that part of the liquid hit the wall so when they whipped the woman the fucking liquid hit the wall it's like <laughs> i guess the wall got whipped too you know yeah, it left a wound mark on the wall <laughs> yeah i guess the wall bled for some reason i mean i just i know the windows bled in vampiris lesbos but i don't know this, this bled differently but yeah I thought that was kind of a cool blooper one thing i, I really liked was uh when um number 41 41 yeah when she was, t- yeah. When she was telling her like why she, why she was in there, and she's like, "Well, I didn't do anything." And they're like, "Well, no, you were a teacher, and you molested oh, yeah. all these boys." And then she says, "He was ten. He was ten years old, but he acted older." <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, because the woman had a fake of story to get in, and Doctor yeah. Aros Arcos made up a story about her being a teacher and stuff. But yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> they said she molested one boy, and she described how she like took the dicks out and everything and what she did to him. Yeah. And they, so yeah, he was 10, but he acted a lot older. older. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was odd. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Any, any of your other notes I forgot to ask you about? Oh, no, I just liked, uh, I liked all the, the different torture scenes. I thought those, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just the the violence was good. Like it was, yeah. this was a really violent movie. Yeah, it was really. I mean, compared to his other films, this had a much more, I mean, compared to the, Barbed wire was more of the whipping, but yeah, but definitely barbed wire dolls was making money this time. So then that's why Dietrich was more keen with him from what I read and understood is that since that was making money, he was like more game on. Yeah, go ahead and make another prison money because you know it's, it was going to make him money, especially with Elsa and everything else. Yeah. And the lead, it was just fucking license to print money, you know, basically. And it's kind of cool too because uh, Elsa, she acts so much with her eyes. Yeah. Like her eyes like showed her... Um, Maniacal showed her like how she was getting off on torturing people, and it just she was so expressive with her eyes. So to have her with Lena, who is also so expressive with her eyes, yeah, differences, it was, but totally yeah, same. yeah, it was really cool. Like I really liked the the pairing of those two. Yeah, it was almost like I was noticing was watching Erica said, you know, Lena with her is like almost like a girl, and like Elsa's like a woman. It's like because yeah. she has the soft round eyes, that very. But Lena, this was very like tough, and she was it was cool because she had to show that. 
She was lesbian, butch, and tough in leather is by wearing this leather bracelet <laughs> that she had, and that that was her significance of being of being you know leather. You know, it was it was funny. I know. I, I love Lena. Cool. I'm yeah. in love with Lena. Yeah, and the fact that she made that girl eat her diarrhea ass was just fine. Yeah, that's she's, another she's perfect checklist of your book. <laughs> another reason why I love oh, her. I love so. her. Yeah. <laughs> She speaks to me at night. Yeah. But it was kind of cool, too, because she did have, like, such a strong character, but she is so yeah. soft. But then... Yeah, because she's, cause she's hardcore and stuff. And then in the end, she realizes that, hey, man, you know, she fucked me over, too. And I should have been with my, my sisters. And now we're going to fucking turn tables on her. And, and you know... but And she was tough to end because she led the women to fucking yeah. kill Elsa, you know, and stuff. So Yeah, you could see her defiance through her eyes, you know, like, through the scenes. Yeah, Elsa, too, it's it cool watching this. Diana Thorne um, was a lot younger than I kind of remembered from her watch. Like, I always thought, watching these years ago, that that she was a lot older and stuff. Watching this on this, I was really amazed at how young she looked. And I was like, Jesus, wow, I, I don't remember her looking, being that young. I was kind of kind of <laughs> impressed, you know. But, yeah, she was, she was definitely... Uh, definitely a power to herself and it's cool like she's a very iconic character so it's cool to see somebody like her like he's saying have this in the film is definitely an extra added bonus to the Jess Franco universe you know and, and and just the end scene too like was crazy yeah it kept it going for a while yeah there was it was insane I love the 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 edits back and forth to the to the tigers and the lions eat devouring their prey as they're eating her yeah piece by piece and then and then you see <laughs> You go a little bit further with the people, and they start pulling something out of their mouth. It was supposed to be like her skin or her muscle or bone. It was like part of a sponge or meat or something they're eating, and it just kept going. And it was very cool. The last shot, too, she like pulled something out as it just kind of went to black. And it was like a really good ending, you know. But they left the, the sound effects continue. Like, yeah. So you're still hearing the sound effects, uh, the nature, the jungle sounds. And this one I definitely liked a lot more, too, compared to, like, of course, you know, because it's like it doesn't have any of the Nazi shit on it. You know, and the other one's the Tigress of Siberia and the um, Harem of the Oil Sheiks. And so it's like this one's just straight ahead, like Jess Franco, kind of a prison movie, a jail movie, even though it's not. It's a clinic, but it's a women's prison. It's kind of a women's prison movie with Elsa. And it's, I mean, it's still got its its sadism and it's got rape scenes and it's got some torture stuff where you're, I don't know, if you're not into that, it kind of turns you off and stuff. But as, you know, Seeing how it's made and stuff, it is very interesting. But he tries to cover a lot of the bases with this, and and it is evil in spirit, and there is you know some some downbeat to it. But in the end, you know, the evil gets taken out and killed, so it's it's not as downbeat as you know, barbed um, wire dolls or something yeah. where they go and just kill everybody, and it's like you know there it is, you know. Well, it was even crazy, like the like the the rape scene, like. It's not like he pulled out like these beautiful women. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like one woman was missing an eye. Like another yeah, lady was like, like shaking and shaking. all scared and yeah. The lady's jaw was yeah. all like to the side. And yeah. It was just like like they, she brought in all these like real fragile like just tore up women and yeah. then like these guys were just like oh ho, ho, ho. yeah these guys were all yeah and they and it was weird I was laughing one guy took off his shirt but kept his pants on while he was <laughs> going to town so I don't know. I don't know what he accomplished there, but yeah, I don't know. But I'm, I'm glad they kept their pants on. I believe me. I didn't need to <laughs> see those like guys. You weren't there. Dude. Yeah, I know. I was like, noticing. Hey, man, I got to take the pants off that fat goatee guy. The fucking <laughs> rapist number five. Or was it? Uh, what was it? Uh, the credits. Uh, let's see. What was it again? Uh, stubbly convict and gang rape scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I know that would suck to have it on, on your resume. I don't know. <laughs> So I think I'm gonna write a film to have that has for Eric to be on his. Dude, don't resume. do that, dude. <laughs> We're watching this. I'm like, don't you ever write a scene where I'm gonna have to eat like Will's ass or something like that yeah. or someone's butt. Yeah, and you're gonna be known as uh, <laughs> rapist in gang rape scene number five, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Please, mom. Please don't look me up on IMDb. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of IMDb, you can find this. Uh, Desperate Visions Productions on there. You can find Desperate Visions Productions, which is my film company, uh, on Facebook. You can reach off, reach up, reach out to the Franco Observer podcast at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Uh, please download the episode. Uh, it helps increase our numbers and gets uh, everybody gets things going really well. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We got sites there. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. 
been uh, people reaching out to us so far from Canada, from the UK, and uh, from Spain, telling us they like the show and appreciate that. We've been talking back to people and uh, talking to them about all the good stuff involved with Jeff Franco. Oh, yeah, another thing, too, I forgot to mention. On this film, too, another thing I'm going to add on my list is the number of zooms in the film. I don't know if I'm going to be an actual accurate count each film, but... With this, there really wasn't excessive zooms, was yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. It really wasn't. Yeah, and, and he's known for, like, zooming a lot. And there's a couple scenes out of focus we kind of laughed at a little bit, but not too major, actually. But, yeah, so this, this was filmed really well because he had different camera operators and things, and it was a more um, structured shoot. It wasn't as fast, and there wasn't a lot of, like, handheld moving and shooting and going. It was pretty pretty paced really well and yeah. everything so I think it was it was way more controlled and he so. did have a couple of scenes where he shot it in the mirror as well yeah yeah there's did have a couple mirror, mirror scenes shots, like that yeah. shooting through like these edges of the paint window panes and stuff was pretty cool um, but yeah so that was cool but uh, so Eric enjoyed it yeah dude I, I, that's like yeah it's a movie I would show it's a movie yeah. I would watch again it's yeah, yeah it's, I really really liked it I've showed it before over the years to people and stuff as part of the Elsa's thing. It's like showing cult films and midnight stuff. So I I have shown this film before and I've shown it before and seen it before. Like I said, many times before this. But uh, but yeah, as a Franco film, it's definitely good. I definitely enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Uh, it's not my top 10, but it's my top 20 maybe, top 30, you know. Uh, and that's saying at what, 180 I know, this is such crazy numbers yeah, to say. I Actually, I, <laughs> speaking of now... Uh, this is January. We're recording this. I'm up to about 178 titles now for wow. Jess Franco. That's but that's including like documentaries and like 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 say a film in like say Venus and Furs. I have the Italian cut, or I mean the Spanish cut, and then the American cut. So like I'll count that as two, even though it's one film, but it's two discs and two cases, and you know, so it's two films. And like I have that with a few films, so I count that as two, even though if I counted those as one, the numbers would be smaller. And that includes like documentaries and things, but but yeah, it's I'd say about 150, 160 actual film films, you know. So that's just pretty getting, good. Getting <laughs> pretty close to the end, man. That's I think pretty I'm, good. Yeah, I'm only head down to about maybe twenty films that I actually have to get, and about half of those are unreleased, so I don't, it's hard to really count those, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, once again, thank you for listening. This has been episode nineteen, Elsa the Wicked Warden, uh, film seventy eight. Film 11th out of 16 with Irwin C. Dietrich. Uh, this has been a pleasure talking to you, and we'll see you again soon. Uh, adios. Beautiful nights. Beautiful nights.